The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I love the way Fikini celebrate. I love the way Limerick celebrates a monster, right? To, to go where we actually want to win the next you know, Or the treatment is just another game, another step stone. That's, that's the question I have. Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Very, very interesting weekend in the URC, to say the least. On Friday night in the first semi-final, Leinster were beaten 27 points to 26 at home by the Bulls. And then on Saturday, Ulster were beaten in heartbreaking fashion on a 17 points to 15 scoreline by the Stormers. It means we will have an all-South Africa URC final. It'll be the Stormers against the Bulls. Alan Quinlan is with us on the line. Alan, good morning. Morning, Owen. How are you? Uh, a bad weekend for the Irish provinces, I want to say, but a positive weekend for the URC in the long run, it seems. Um, yeah, if you want to look at it like that, I suppose um, the South Africans obviously started the tournament very slowly and, um, you know, particularly in the first four or five games, they, they had a lot of losses and uh, we weren't sure where they were going to end up. I think um, there's three, three South African teams now in the Champions Cup next year and Two of them are in the final, which uh, we probably didn't we didn't see coming, particularly at the weekend. Um, you know, everybody thought that Leinster would win, and probably Stormers would beat Ulster. Um, but both results have have gone the other way. I think um, I think Ulster looked like they were going to win the game, hanging on for dear life at the end, but conceded that late try, and and obviously what happened Friday night was. Um, was was a shock against the Bulls for Leinster. It felt after Leinster were beaten on Friday night that this was a really brilliant opportunity for Ulster to get some silverware, that they would be in a really good shot if they could get over the semi-final to actually win in Belfast uh, and get over the line with, with a trophy that the Ulster fans have been crying out for for so long. Like that second half showing where they don't score a single point there, a man up for uh, the closing stages of the game. Like that will surely have to go down as a desperately, desperately disappointing forty minutes for for Ulster Rugby. Yeah, I think the the you know the Stormers started well, scored two tries, and uh, you, you kind of feared the worst for Ulster. Um, but then they got you know they they got two great great tries themselves. I think look, obviously there was there was a little bit of, of a doubt about the the pass for Balakun for the for the first try, but. Um, he did brilliantly then with the offload for Stuart Moore for the second and you think they're right back in the game Cooney kicks the penalty just before half time you think um, they're in a great position but I think they didn't manage the game as well as they they probably should have in the second half Um, didn't have enough probably kicked the ball a little bit too much I know there was talk so you know they they didn't have enough, enough territory in that second half but they had their opportunities and just just couldn't get over the line and, and stretch the lead a little bit. I, I thought, and you could say the same for Leinster, they had kickable penalties and they probably should have had shots at goal and they kept going for the corner and and, and trying to score them all tries. But hindsight's a great thing. Um, they stole the line out, I think, on with a couple of minutes to go that the Stormers had and in 78 minutes. Um, they stole a, a Stormers line out. They were close to the, the Ulster line and um, I thought that was it. That was the game for Ulster, but they probably should have just held on to the ball and tried to, to, to hold on to it. They kicked it away again. Stormers got back and, you know, inevitably in the end they scored, I think it was 84th or 85th minute. Um, it was heartbreaking in the end. 
it's hard to say that Ulster should have won the game. They certainly could have won the game, but you think if they were coming to Bel- back home to Belfast to play a final, that they they would have been the team that probably would have really, certainly would have been favourites to, to lift the trophy, and it's a massive opportunity lost. Um, a little bit like Munster, you know, long time since they won a trophy, 16 years, it's longer for, for Ulster, and um, they've come up short again. Quinny, can you talk about what should happen there then on 78 minutes when Ulster win that line-out? Who are you looking for in that position to make the big decisions and is that what they were missing uh, a bit of leadership then is that just experience is it something you learn from quite quickly it's difficult Nathan you know if you're if you if you're an Ulster fan or an Ulster player um, there's a nervous excitement when you win that turnover um, it's easy to say for me looking back um, you know maybe hold on to the ball there and just pick and go um, it's it's a long two minutes I always think back to the European final in 2008. We started picking and going Munster in about the 72nd or third minute. It was, it was much too early. But with two minutes to go, um, there's always a danger you're going to give away a penalty and you're going to do something wrong there. But I think it's down to leadership. It's down to experience, composure, Nathan. And uh, they probably didn't have that. If you're going to kick the ball, ideally you try and get it to your to your out half and he kicks long up the field or finds a touch touch finder outside, you know, down towards the halfway line or something. But they kicked it down there and it didn't go out. Stormers come back and attack again. Um, particularly when you're after doing something so good by stealing that line out. Um, it's it's deflating for the opposition. So I think it's down to a little bit of leadership and, and composure that they lacked at times in that second half, not just at the end of the game, but in, in the second half. Uh, again, the bench situation, you could say it for both, both Leinster and Ulster, um, the impact off the bench and, and the ability for the both sets of coaches to use players off the bench uh, probably didn't help. But they were a whisker away, weren't they, Ulster, and just lacked that little bit of control right at the end. That point on the bench is a good place to kick off on Leinster. Is Leinster's depth just not what we thought it was? Is it very position-specific? Or what's your read on on the backup players that aren't making the starting 15 for Leinster at the moment? Well, you know, obviously they have a huge amount of uh, number of players. They used over 60 players in the league. And maybe that's something that's come against them a little bit right at the end of both competitions that there was so much rotation Um I heard Jake White speaking about his um, continuity and selection in the last kind of three, four months with his team. Uh, very similar team, small tweaks here and there. But um, for Leinster, you know, when Keane Healy comes on with two minutes to go, Sean Cronin didn't come on. Uh, Ross Maloney came on late in the game as well. Um, I think it's it's... You know, it's Michael Alatoa came on obviously for for uh, for for Ty Furlong and sixty fifth or so, something minute, but I just think it's um, it's having that ability to to make changes, uh, particularly when game a game is not going well, and again it's new territory, isn't it for for Leinster? You know, being under this sort this sort of pressure, the similarities with the La Rochelle game. Um, for Ulster, you know, Tom O'Toole is still on the field in the 80th minute. Under had a brilliant game, but it's just, I suppose, making some changes before that. Ulster looked out on their feet at the end. 
and they looked really fatigued. So, um, you know, ideally you have great depth and you can bring on four or five internationals. Um, Leinster's depth probably in some specific positions is is not as strong as maybe we think. Mm. Um, loads of really good young players, but um, maybe that's something that came against them right at the end, uh, particularly in the type of game that they played against the Bulls. And give, given the resources that Leinster have, that'll be a source of particular disappointment. On a stylistic level then, did Ronan O'Gara and Jake White go about this thing in exactly the same way? Or what did you see in terms of comparing the two big defeats for Leinster? Um, well, something that was very obvious in both games was was the pressure and the line speed. Now, I, I really thought, um, I know there was a few people questioned um, uh, the possibility of sin bins in the La Rochelle game and um, some of the penalties that, that La Rochelle were penalised for. I thought there were some silly penalties. I said it on Friday to Ronan. Um, and obviously, if he lost the game and La Rochelle lost the game, he would have been frustrated with some of those penalties. I think it flipped right over, right to the end of the game in La Rochelle, where Lencer would have once given away the penalties. Um, but on Friday night, I just thought that, um, you know, the similarities were the line speed, the pressure, um, not allowing Leinster any sort of time on the ball. I didn't think the Bulls could do that um, but it's amazing in sport when you get ahead and when you get a little bit of confidence and you get a feel that, you know, they were 17-7 up at one stage um, and they believed they were in the game. And that's exactly what you want to do if you're playing Leinster. I've said it so many times in Munster, we've played them in the last number of years. If Munster can stay in the game, then you can ask questions, uh, try and get a little bit of doubt in the opposition. But again, it was just one of those nights on where just things went wrong for them. Uh, uncharacteristic knock-ons, timing of the passes, the execution. Um, when uh, when uh, I think when Rory Lockin scores that try in the 68th or 69th minute, I think everybody has a feeling that you know that's it. It's it's they're just going to get the next score, win the game, and get out of here and you know dust themselves down for a final. But you have to give massive credit to the Bulls. I think they put so much pressure. I thought some of the refereeing decisions the other night against Leinster were really poor. I thought the, the Bulls were offside a little bit. And exactly what you want to do, you're kind of pushing. And, and again, the similarity to La Rochelle, you, you, you're right on the edge, aren't you? Trying to get off the line really quickly because if you allow Leinster play, well, they can really punish you. So um, they'll be frustrated when they look back at some of the decisions. Um, the breakdown obviously was an issue again. So um, it's just probably... Um, it's easy. It's not easy pinpoint what what went wrong, and I think the obvious thing is we we all start talking about the power and the physicality. But I just think Leinster are probably not used to being tested like this. Um, How do they the fix that, Quinny? Because you know Leo Cullen said was on about the squeeze game and it not being uh, in their DNA with the way Leinster play. And it's not because we see them. We watch them every Friday night. They're a great watch. They score lots of tries, but these two matches they don't face that type of power too often. Now, maybe they will face it a lot more with the South African sides coming in, but the fact the South African sides are coming into the Champions Cup as well, like, does this need to be a summer of real soul-searching at Leinster and a, the possibility of, of looking to change their DNA? No, I don't think so. I think they just look... In both games, um, Nathan, it's very, very fine margins, and it's incredible how the momentum just shifts when, when something goes wrong. 
I think what they do need to understand and learn when you're such a dominant team throughout most of the season and the expectation is so high. So everybody said Leinster will beat La Rochelle. Everybody said Leinster will beat the Bulls. Um, it's about probably just understanding that, that um, you're going to face a ferocious kind of intensity. It's hard to replicate that. So to answer your question, it's very difficult for them because um, if you don't face that opposition throughout the year, if you if you go right back to the first game, you know, Leinster beat the Bulls 31-3 in the Aviva. I think it was the first game up. Um, it's hard to, you know, maybe I think that they... they you know, you learn harsh lessons along the way and maybe they'd be better for that going forward. I know people have pinpointed and said, well, last year, La Rochelle beat them in the semi-final. They should have known better this time. Very small margins in both games. I think uh, Johnny Sexton was probably key to both games as well. A little bit of control, decision-making when they're when they're ahead. Um, they're not usually chasing a game either. They're a very, very dangerous side. And I think that was the key the other night. Jake White even said it, that... You know, if Leinster get ahead of you, they're a very hard team to reel in. So 95% of their decision-making is is always very, very good. But I just think, um, I'm not sure how you learn and replicate that sort of intensity. Maybe you do it in training more and um, have more kind of com- com- confined spaces to, to deal with that intensity. Um, but it's something that they have to, a little bit of soul searching has to go on now and they've got to look. Um, but again, what, what, what know, about most teams would love to be in that position, wouldn't they? What about, what about the intensity you know? that the those Leinster players who are who are test internationals, who, who are lines players, have experienced over the last couple of years? They're as experienced, if not more experienced, than all the players that they're coming up against. Like it's not like they were up against a team of Springboks the other night. And I mean, we we constantly comment on Leinster and Ireland being so similar. So is, is that a real concern then for for the national team if it feels that Leinster are are somewhat undercooked going into these big powerful games? Well, what's a concern for a national team, and it's pretty regular, uh, something we talk about is, is um, you know, if you're playing against, if you're going to play in the All Blacks, the All Blacks are going to play against Ireland. Well, one of the first things they're going to talk about is the being aggressive, physical, being in their faces, trying to take them on and turn it into an arm wrestle and really win those collisions. So um, it's trying to... Uh, trying to deal with that pressure and power so but it is a concern i think it is a concern and you know you'd love to have two locks in the second row 120 kilos uh, but again it's you've got to work with what you have and and we had those conversations regularly in the last number of years when we played england when we played new zealand at the world cup um we've got to find a different way and 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 probably just uh, Cut your claw according to your measure. You can't just invent those. You know, Lens from Jason Jenkins signed for next year. He's obviously a very, very big man. They're, they're bringing him in is he's bringing him in for a reason. Um, Joe McCarthy is a very physical and powerful player. He's still very young. He brings a lot of that power and physicality that you don't naturally get. Um, it is a concern, on yeah, for sure, but. Um, Quinny, I, think uh, one of the same. I was going to say Andy Farrell names a squad on Wednesday. Give us a bolter. A bolter. It's it's difficult. I was talking Nathan on Friday about it. Um, I think Jimmy O'Brien should go. Um, I think he's been he's been brilliant for Leinster this season. Very very consistent. Um, it's hard to pick too many bolters out of this. I think Ross Bar- Ross Maloney could go given his performances. Uh, 
up to that that, that final with, with with Leinster. Um, I'd love to see Jordan Larmer back in the mix. I think even when he touched the ball a few times the other night, he looks so so dangerous as well. But um, it's hard. Nathan Doak maybe um, he's someone that that um, has incredible talent for Ulster, but uh, it's hard to kind of pluck someone out of the blue. And I don't know if there will be um, too many bowlers in this squad. Alan Quinlan, good stuff. Thanks, Millie, for being with us. Cheers, lads. Thanks. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.